that mercy that God's heart is filled with is so strong that he has a passion to get right into the problems with us, get right in the middle of it. On the cross, Jesus got as far into our sins and our problems and the fall of man as anyone could possibly get to help us, to restore us. There is a real pathway into the victorious Christian life. That's what this series is all about. Hopefully by this point you see that the foundation of a victorious life is total dependence upon God who is willing to live his powerful life through us. But now it's time to build on this foundation. What kind of life is he looking to live out in us? In today's show, we look at one of his most essential characteristics, mercy. Our prayer is that God gives you a revelation of his heart and that by it, you begin to be established in a life of victory. Welcome to Purity for Life. The foundation of the victorious Christian life is built in an unexpected way. It's built when we see how far we've fallen short of God's righteous standard for us, when we see our incredible need, and when we fall helplessly before his righteous throne. But this isn't the end of God's process. When our hearts have been prepared by poverty, God comes to fill us with a different kind of life, his life. And this is what we need more than anything. We need to be emptied of self and filled with God. To be a Christian is to deeply and intimately know God for ourselves and then to be transformed into his image. In today's show, We want to look deeply at the mercy of God because this is what God wants us to be like. In our first show, we shared the story of Rex Andrews with you. He had been in full-time ministry for decades and then fell horribly into sexual sin. For seven years, he wasted away spiritually, having no hope of being restored to God. But then God showed him mercy And this mercy revolutionized his life. Here's the definition that he came up with for what God did to him. Mercy is God's supply system for every need everywhere. Mercy is that kindness, compassion, and tenderness which is a passion to suffer with or participate in another's ills or evils in order to relieve, heal, and restore. It accepts another freely and gladly as he is and supplies the needed good of life to build up and to bring to peace and keep in peace. It is to take another into one's heart just as he is and cherish and nourish him there. Mercy takes another's sins and evils and faults as its own and frees the other by bearing them to God. This is the glow of love 
This is the anointing. The thing that so changed Rex Andrews was that he began to see that God didn't just show mercy to people. He is full of mercy. We really need to see this. In today's show, Pastor Dave Leopold talks about this wonderful characteristic of God. And I hope that as you see it, you will long to be like this as well. Now, there are a couple definitions of God that are very direct in the Bible. One of them just says God is love. And the other one says our God is a consuming fire. We might often think of those as kind of opposite sides of love, but I think they're uh, exactly the same thing. God is a consuming fire of love. He's so compassionate and loving, and yet it's not the kind of love that you can just play with. If we were to look at love or mercy in three sections, which are in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we would look at God's mercy and God's compassion and God's grace. Grace is the first part that comes to mind. Grace we might call love-looking. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Also, the rich young ruler um, in Mark, after he talked to Jesus, it, it says, Jesus, looking on him, loved him. The second one would be compassionate, which is the inner moving of the heart toward the need in a life. Uh, seeing the multitude, it says in the New Testament, Jesus was moved with compassion. It's that inner moving of that grace. And um, finally, Jesus fed the multitude. That was the mercy. Mercy would be the action of love. So we have grace, love looking, compassion, love moving, mercy, love working, or love acting. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He acted. He didn't just feel compassion or look with grace, but he actually moved to do something in the world, an act of great mercy. The Syrophoenician woman said to Jesus, have mercy on me, thou son of David. She was looking for the act of healing and mercy that her daughter needed. She wanted that action. So it's the way that God supplies to all the world their needs. Mercy, love and action. Oh, this is so good. Grace is love looking. Compassion is love moving. Mercy is love acting. God is the great giver of mercy, and he's in a passion to meet people's needs. That mercy that God's heart is filled with is so strong that he has a passion to get right into 
the problems with us, get right in the middle of it. Jesus got right in the middle of things. He didn't avoid them. Uh, it's been said that there's no better place to see God's heart and God's nature and his intentions than the cross. On the cross, Jesus got as far into our sins and our problems and the fall of man as anyone could possibly get. It was the apex of the revelation of God to man, the cross. How far would he go into our situation to help us, to restore us? And that's exactly what uh, Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us how he didn't himself didn't know sin, and yet he became sin so that we could become his righteousness. That's a, quite a participation. Now, we can't atone for anyone's sins like Jesus did, obviously, but we can, especially in the Spirit and through prayer stand in the gap for people. We can't get in. When it says participate, it, of course, doesn't mean we sin along with people, uh, get into their sin and do it in order to help them. It simply means we, we take that so seriously that they're in and we stand between them and God. Daniel, for instance, when he saw it was time reading in Jeremiah for Israel to be rescued from Babylon, Daniel was about the most holy man that you could imagine, but he went to prayer for a long time and fasting, and he repented of his own sins and of his, the people's sins. He got right into it with them, and he took it um, as his own. The Apostle Paul did the same thing. He said, I could wish myself were accursed if it would deliver my people, Israel. And uh, this is an attitude in the heart of God that had gotten hold of his people. And it's not just for spiritual giants as we think of them, but it's for all of us in our daily life. And we can all taste of that heart of God if we're willing to and if we want to. Jesus is himself the clearest picture of God's mercy. And Jesus said this, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you hear his mercy in that? Mercy doesn't call the righteous, but the sinners. It doesn't call those who are worthy, but those who are unworthy. Mercy means that God is willing to take us as we are and to cherish us and to nourish us, giving us what we need so that we'll be brought to peace with him and kept in that peace. His desire is to bring us into peace. I think all of us would be able to share about how God drew us and still draws us to himself when we're not very pretty. Um, I was a disaster 
of sin in so many ways. And the Lord rescued me when I was, I believe, much more undeserving than many because I knew better and I had grown up knowing better and I have tasted the Lord. Um, but ever since that time, the Lord has been bringing me to peace. And it's been a process. And I've been through a lot of unrest because of the territory that I gave to the enemy when I was wandering from the Lord and the things that I did. But over time, the Lord has been bringing me to more and more peace. When you catch a glimpse of the heart of Jesus, it's amazing. We sometimes forget when we read the Gospels that he really did those things. He really did call a tax collector, one of the most hated people around, to be his disciple. He really did touch the lepers. He really did stand up for an adulterous woman. Why? Because he's full of mercy. He is willing to take others into his heart. If we're honest, we still have a long way to go until we're like that. Usually, we don't just take anyone into our heart. For most of us, only certain people really make it in. A spouse, family members, our closest friends, those who we might call best friends. Jesus' disciples obviously really struggled to take people into their hearts, all the people that Jesus did, even one another, because we have everybody uh, from uh, zealots to Matthew, the tax collector, and so on, who would have naturally not liked one another at all. But Jesus didn't struggle with taking all kinds of people and everyone into his heart. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul pleading with the churches to let their hearts be enlarged. His heart was enlarged. It fit everybody in. And that's just God. I mean, it's not Paul. Before Paul came to Christ, uh, you wouldn't want to meet him. He was such a bad person, you know, in such a bad spirit. But it was just God in him. I don't suppose there's a better example than the Good Samaritan of taking somebody and really cherishing them and taking them as they are and, and going the second mile because that Good Samaritan did everything he could do at the moment. You know, he took the person to the inn. He took care of him there. He left, he gave money. And if it cost any more money on when he came back, he was going to take care of that as well. So, you know, he took that, that person as he was. And, and that parable came from a question and an answer from a religious leader. And he was trying to defend himself and, and say, well, I don't, 
I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but how do I know who my neighbor is? And Jesus turned it around on him and said, no, it's not that you have to know who your neighbor is. It's that you have to be the neighbor to anyone who's in need. You be the neighbor. And and he gave just a, the man had such a full heart to take care of that man who had been hurt. And that's how God's heart is. And that's how he wants ours to be. Not, not on our own strength. We can't. But as we yield to him and believe in his mercy, believe in his character, believe that that's how his heart is, he can fill us with that love and with that mercy and that compassion. I think the most stunning aspect of mercy is that Jesus didn't just take our sorrows. He didn't just take our sicknesses. He took our sins. What greater example of mercy is there than Jesus taking our sins and evils and faults and making them his own and freeing us by bearing our sins to God? When we begin to do this for others, now we're living in the very spirit that Jesus himself was in. The cross is the best example of taking another's sins and faults as its own. A heart that is filled with love does take another's. Um, We can't do what Jesus did. We've said that several times. But in this case, for us, it's taking another's sins and faults just as seriously as if they were our own. When I see a sin in my heart or when I make a, a mistake or I'm not right with God and it pricks me, I am I'm as serious as a heart attack about it. I might be fasting and praying and repenting for a long time. God wants us to take other people's sins and faults and needs just as seriously as we take our own. We can't bear them in the same way that Jesus did, but we can stand in the gap again. We can pray with people and we can carry them to the Lord in our hearts. And uh, one of the scriptures I, I can't help but think of uh, when when we look at this uh, thinking about uh, taking people's sins and faults as our own being that committed to them in Ephesians 4 the Apostle Paul starts out by telling them I'm the prisoner of the Lord and I want to tell you how I'm beseeching you to understand how is it that you can walk worthy of the Lord? What can you do to walk worthy of the Lord? And then he goes on to say that you can do it with the lowliness and meekness. He uses these two words, long-suffering and forbearing, and then endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that word endeavoring is a very strong word uh, in the original language. 
It actually means striving earnestly, forbearing one another in another translation says making allowances because we love one another. And of course, we know that most long-suffering or a lot of long-suffering has to do with relationships. We suffer long with people and we love them uh, because we want the mercy of God to touch their lives. I don't know if you're catching the main point of this, but I have to jump in right here. The point is this. The love of God is the exact opposite of lust. Let me ask you a question. If you were filled with a passion to bear the needs of others to God, to see them set free from their sins and evils and faults, how could you lust? Lust is self-taking. Mercy is love giving. If you get this right here, you will absolutely overcome lust because mercy kills lust. We need an anointing of this kind of spirit, the spirit of mercy. In Luke, Jesus was anointed not only to preach the gospel to the poor, but also to heal the brokenhearted, and to set at liberty them that were bruised. And in Matthew, in using the same talk about how Jesus was anointed, it said he wouldn't break a bruised reed, and he wouldn't quench a smoking flax. He was anointed to be patient and merciful with people. And nowhere did he show that more than with his disciples, because his disciples were often more a part of the problem than they were the solution. And he had to help people in spite of them sometimes. So God's anointing, he wants that anointing in our life to be kind to people. And certainly it includes all things we might do for the Lord. I think people experience God's anointing at times to speak, but God wants the anointing of his spirit to be in our life all the time. Uh, It says in John that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I think God wants me to be anointed with that spirit daily that I will be able to give the truth that's needed and that I will be able to give the grace that's needed. We also wanted Dave to give a bit of practical instruction on how to do mercy. One thing we've been taught here is that 90% of doing mercy has to do with praying for people and to pray that God would give people mercy. Rex Andrews said that he would pray this way, Lord, flood the people that I'm thinking of with mercies to meet every need in their life. And as Dave was sharing about this, it became obvious that this prayer brings out how great and abundant God's mercy is. We pray, not just meet their needs, 
but God abundantly meet their needs with floods of mercy. What kind of person would you become if you always wanted someone's needs to be abundantly met with floods of mercy? Flood represents more, way more than enough. And our hearts need to reach out to people in that way. God did things like that. Jesus did things like that all the time. You know, when he fed the multitude, they had 12 baskets left over. Why, Jesus certainly could have made just enough. So when the last person took the last bite, that was it. No, but he made more than. And why would he do that? Because that's his heart. And he he does, Paul said, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Well, why? Why not just give you what you're asking for? Well, that's God's measure. And the wording of it isn't so important as the principle of it. The Lord wants us to understand that he's a very abundant God. I came that they might have life, but he didn't stop there, and that they might have it more abundantly. He likes floods when it comes to doing good, and he wants us to understand it, and he wants us also to want that for other people. And I would say it's of the same principle as the scripture, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He didn't say, don't do anything bad, and then you'll be filled with the spirit. He said, no, being filled with the spirit has to come first, because if you're full of the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll be filled with something else that will be motivating you. Paul gave a list of things for people to think about, because if they think and they fill their mind with these good things, there won't be room for a lot of wrong thoughts. It's been said, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Sometimes we work so hard and we focus so hard on not being bad. But sometimes that, that creates a real fight when we're so focused on the bad that we're afraid we're going to do. It would be better to develop a habit of praying very liberally for people that there wouldn't be an idleness in our hearts, any room for the bad. And as we uh, use our heart for that, there are God's kinds of thoughts. It, it also helps us to be in the Spirit when we pray that way. And being in the Spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Having a heart that's thinking and desiring and praying the most for other people is going to help us not have room in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds for the flesh. 
Well, we've covered a lot of ground today. This episode really is the linchpin in our series because what we want you to get out of this entire series is that if you will make yourself a conduit for the fiery, passionate love of God to pass through you to other people, there is no lust that can keep its hold on you. Why? Because by being full of mercy, you're full of God. Listen to Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain anger forever because he delights in mercy. I would encourage you to listen to this episode as many times as you need to. Ask God to make himself so real to you and then fight to become a man or woman who prays mercy and does mercy to other people. Join us next week as we continue to look at different aspects of God's wonderful character. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.